Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Charles Nenner. He is the president of the Charles Nenner Research Center, uh, which is kind of a technical analysis and market advisory group. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Charles. Very nice to be there, but uh, I wouldn't call it technical analysis. What would you call it? Analysis. I don't know why it's called technical. Uh, okay. Anything that you visualize, they call technical, but it's not technical. Okay, very good. So let's just start with a little bit of your background for people who have not heard about you before and, and how you created the Charles Nenner Research Center, and just give a little bit of your background to start off. Okay, I studied medicine, so I'm a medical doctor, and um, uh, participated in uh, research worldwide about uh, how many people became psychotic and they become psychotic at the same time, and we found uh, a cycle that was interesting. Every so many months, people became psychotic. If it was in Los Angeles or Moscow, it didn't make a difference. And I started building, at that time, neural networks and tried to apply it to other markets, uh, including the financial market, and um, have been doing that for many years, 15 years for Goldman Sachs, did the research for the proprietary traders, that means the people who invest the money for Goldman Sachs themselves. And when I retired, I started my own firm that is already uh, for another 15 years. So uh, we're a long time in the business. And actually, it's built on the fact that uh, uh, we predict the future, which seems a bit strange, but... uh, the idea is that markets don't move at random. When a stock takes off, when index takes off, you know how high it goes and how long it goes up. And so, what are so these that cycles makes, that makes investing easy? What are these cycles based on? I mean, there are in, in history. There's been the Fibonacci cycles. We've had Elliott waves. There's all kinds of people who say they can predict the future based on cycles in nature. What, what are these cycles based on that you are predicting? Well, Elliott Wave does use inversions, which is not very helpful. Elliott Wave says, if I go uh, down into Fibonacci number in a cycle, then uh, if I go from up to down into a low, then it turns up. And if it's the other way around, it turns down. So you never know up to a couple of days before which direction the cycle is going to turn. Now, if you invest a lot of money, like we did with uh, Goldman Sachs, you cannot wait a couple of days before because you have to, like, in weeks before... So you have to know if it's a bottom or a top. Uh, if you really study it and you build the right computer programs, then you see it's very regular, and you can predict up to the exact day if something is going up or it's going down. And so what is that based on? Is algorithms? I mean, what is behind those cycles? Uh, did you ever hear about the four-year cycle? Typically, I think of it in presidential terms. Well, let's say that's, that's what I meant, or let's say the presidential cycle. So do you, you know there's a presidential cycle? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you yep. have the answer. So you know one cycle. Now, if you would have very good uh, neural networks and computer programs, you could find much more cycles. Which is what you have. Right. So how do people use the, the output of what you're advising? Um, you have a newsletter or... Website yes, or tele- we, come, we come out. We come out four days uh, a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, practically, I will give you an example. In 2006, when the Dow was 10,000, I was uh, on CBC, and they asked me what is going to happen. It says we're going up to the 27th of December 2007. So that's 
one and a, one and a half year later, and we're going to 14,300. So we went from 10,000 to 14,300. And if you look on my website, charlesnander.com, you see you go to the uh, TV show, the 27th December uh, 2007, you see we're exactly at 14,300. So that's how you use it. You know which day you're going to be there, and you know what level you're looking for. What has been the accuracy rate of the predictions? Uh, now you have to, this is interesting, uh, not that I want to go around the question, I have to say when something is true or not. If I miss it by one day, is it still correct, or what, if I miss it by quarter? I would say percent? yes, it's correct. <laughs> okay, so I, will keep it in, I will keep it in the 100%. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So people can go to your website. Is there a newsletter they, they can subscribe to, or what, how they do they can, get these? They, these, they uh, can ask for the, the newsletter. They get it for a while for free because it really proves itself. So they, they get it for free, and I just have to watch. If what we say is correct, we do it for bonds, for currencies, for overseas markets. So they get a lot of markets with the exact dates and the exact levels, uh, sometimes stocks. And they just have to check if uh, what we say is correct or not. And that's at charlesnenner.research.com. What is the website they go to for that? Yeah, charlesnenner.com. And just ask for a free subscription. Great. And after it's not free anymore, how much might it be? Well, that, that, that I don't deal with. That's the market that people deal with. It's a difference if you're a Merrill Lynch or a Goldman Sachs or you're a, a big investor or a hedge fund or you're a small investor. Uh, we'll talk to you because, uh, of course, a small investor doesn't pay as much as a Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if it was true that this is working as 100% basically, and everybody followed your advice, would yes. it affect the markets at all? I mean, if you're, if you're that accurate, it seems like everybody should just do exactly what you tell them, and they would always win. Well, there is something to it. I think it's a law of nature, and the law of nature says that a lot of people will not believe in it. Uh-huh. Um, so it will not happen. Once it will happen, we'll see how it goes. But you've been doing this for 15 years. <laughs> it yeah, should have 30 years. 30 years, you're right. But it should have many people following it and doing very, very well. So let's kind of get a sense of where things stand uh, now. Uh, and let's start, I guess, with the stock market, and particularly you know, big stocks, Dow stocks, S&P versus smaller NASDAQ kind of stocks. What are, what are you seeing uh, in those today? Well, we went in then in March '09. We went long, and we said the cycle was good until mid-June. So we're getting close to a cycle high, so we are selling our stocks over here. Uh, what do we want to do with it? Uh, we have a cycle low finally in July for gold. So we're, uh, we're uh, slowly, slowly when a cycle bottoms, we're going to put some money in gold. I see. Uh, we still have some money in bonds, but uh, uh, by the end of the year, I expect a real bear market to start in, uh, in bonds, so that's not a place to be. So, so bonds have had an enormous uh, rally lately. Uh, so you're saying that it's, it's too late to get into them at this point? Uh, I expect the GDP to see one GDP of 3%, which will not be too great for the bonds. And uh, after that, there are all kinds of uh, uh, situations why bonds will, uh, will go down instead of up. Uh, that doesn't always have to do with the economy. Look what happened in Italy, in France, in Greece. The economy was very weak, but the interest rates went sky high. Yes. It has to do with the balance of payments. So that's not the place to be. And my biggest fear still is that we will see deflation. Now, mm -hmm. once you see deflation, there's almost nowhere to hide. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a very difficult situation till 2020 to try to save your money. I don't, you see, I don't even say to make money, to save your money. 
because, uh, if, well, let's say what happens if deflation does, in fact, break out? Is it something that the central banks can stop? No, no. I, you know, you talk to somebody who believes in cycles. That means it's whatever happens has no influence. So we don't believe in that the central banks can stop anything. Or, well, I mean, they've stimulated the economy dramatically the last five years or so with all the quantitative easing and so on. You don't think that's had any effect? Uh, let me give you one more example. It, it, it's very simple. You go to my website and you look at what happened in 2006 on CBC. The Fed funds were 6.5%, and I said they're going to 0% by the middle of 2009. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's pretty extreme, right? Because I didn't know what the banks would do. Yes. So by that, I proved that whatever the banks do doesn't make any difference. I just wish that people would, would, would for once, think out of the box and not listen to everybody that thinks they has a theory and to just throw away all that rubbish. It has nothing to do with anything. So the interest rate cycle is down, but you're, you're saying it could, it could, if you're worried about deflation, you're yes. saying interest rates could go even further down if we're at, or, or at zero. Well, like we said, if you see what happened in Europe, they had a big problem because Europe is almost in deflation. Yes. And Greece was in deflation, and interest rates are going up because everybody is then very frightened to give out loans and says, well, I can give you a loan, but you have to give me high interest rates. Now, lately, those interest rates have come down dramatically in Greece and Spain, Italy, and those kind of countries. It, it peaked, but it's come down dramatically. Does that mean it's deflation, or are there better credit risks? No, that's just a cycle. What it is, you could be totally correct, but I'm not sure. And I don't intend to be a better expert than other people in fundamental analysis. Mm-hmm. And what we actually do is we, we deal with what happens and when it happens. And why it happens, I leave out to the other uh, uh, great uh, explanations in, in all the media. So you're letting the market speak to you is what you're saying. Instead of understanding why, you're just seeing what's happening. Right. I don't know why, and I, I can work with that, so I don't know why. It's difficult. A lot of people, uh, I guess it's because I'm a medical doctor. If they told you give the guy the red pill, even if you don't know how it works, you give him the red pill because it makes him better. <laughs> I guess it works. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to know how it works to some extent. Exactly. Uh-huh. So has the market ever spoken to you um, and, and given you the wrong signal? I mean, it's like, it makes it look like it's going one direction and then it goes the other direction? No, no, because they also have monthly and quarterly cycles, and they never change. A weekly cycle can be off a couple of days, but not a monthly or a quarterly cycle. Uh-huh. It gives one great confidence, I guess, if you've been through these you know, for many, many years, and it always works out well. It takes away all of the, the drama in the stock market all the time. Right. People are... It takes away all the emotions. And the interesting thing is some people uh, seem to be more interested in the emotions than in making money. <laughs> Uh-huh. So would the easiest way to play your signals be with indexes, where you're not trying to pick individual stocks? I also, I also pick individual stocks. What happens is if we have a big client, let's say, uh, uh, hedge funds that says, I want to know what is with IBM. So we build a cycle for IBM, and then I publish it for everybody. So uh-huh. I get ideas from the big clients, which stocks they're interested in. But if they're interested, it doesn't mean it goes up immediately. Sometimes they have to wait four or five months. So I help them build a cycle so they don't wait for four or five months. They just invest only just before the cycle bottoms. But for most people uh, who aren't doing individual stocks, they should do indexes as the way to do it? That's, you, that you get less surprised. With an with individual stock, you can always get surprised. Yes. 
always something can happen. Do you have to understand that if I say things don't move at random, it means it's because a lot of people are involved and free choice is filtered out. Now, if you have a stock, you already have less people involved, so there's more free choice. And the smaller the stock, the more free choice there is. And therefore, the more surprises and volatility tends to happen. Right, right. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. Some very interesting research, and we'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Charles Nenner, uh, the head of the Charles Nenner Research Institute, and you can find out more about him at charlesnenner.com. Welcome back to the show, Charles. I have a question for you. Sure. We just talked about gold and inflation. Do you know how many bull markets there were in gold during deflations and how many during inflation? You tell me. No, so, you know, what I mean is there's so much knowledge around and we all have these, these, these preconceptions of ideas, and they're not always correct. We just have to study it. So more bull market and the gold were there when there was deflation and inflation. So that's certainly not the common view. The common view is that it's a hedge against inflation. Well, the common view is because people only remember what happened in the lifetime. They don't know what happened 1,000 years ago, 800 years ago, 600 years ago, 500 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, but you wouldn't have an answer as to why gold goes up during deflation. Uh, it's just, uh, oh, yes, of course I have. And, and because because, because what, be? goes up, what goes up during deflation? Well, your housing prices don't go up, your stocks don't go up, your bonds are in trouble, so where you put your money? In gold, because the system is going under, so at least you buy gold. Uh-huh, so it's a, a safety haven, basically. Right, right, right. So is that the major trend you see happening right now as we're heading towards deflation? And yes. gold would be going up and all the other areas would be going down? Yeah, because if you look at Europe, they had an inflation number of 0.4 only, and they're looking for 2.5. Yeah. 
And if they have one more bad number, they're already below zero. So they're trying to talk the euro down, but they don't really get it done. And if they don't get it done, they're going to end up in deflation. Yeah. Um, and you're saying once deflation starts, it's hard to unwind it, really. I mean, for example, Japan. Japan's pretty much had deflation for the last two, centuries, two, two decades or so. And, yeah. and they haven't really been able to get out of it, is what you're saying. Well, let's be honest. If you have to buy something new, an expensive item, and you know next week is going to be cheaper, you're going to wait with, with, with purchasing it. So, so that's why the whole, uh, whole market will go down, because people will just wait till it's cheaper next week. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's not a, a rush to buy when things are going to be falling. Right. Yes, although I would think bonds would do well in deflation, particularly high quality treasuries and things like that. Wouldn't that well, be a, a, a winner in deflation? The three parts over here. Usually, what people have is uh, a real estate, uh, bonds, and stocks. And when th- things go down, they first sell their stocks, and they like to look at the real estate. Oh. I- some stones. So the next thing is bonds. So what if they need money? They have to sell the bonds because they sold the stocks already. So it's sometimes a, a, a matter of financial markets, not so much of e- e- economics. So how about uh, uh, cash? How about money market funds? They might not earn anything, but the capital would be safe without That's good what I mean. That for the next till 2020, what you're trying to do is to try to uh, to uh, put your capital safe. So cash would, would play a bigger role? Cash and gold would be your two biggest holdings then? I guess so, yes. Mm-hmm. And within cash, is there something you like? Would you stay with treasury bills only or money market funds, or what would you do in, in cash? Well, I don't think it's going to make so much difference how much you get in each of You probably don't get anything for in, in both of them. Yeah. And then the bills are still a little bit more safe. Mm-hmm. And then how about commodities beyond gold? Uh, grains and the other metals and, uh, and uh, other kinds of commodities. How would those do in, in what you're seeing coming up? Well, the commodities are in a major bear market. The grains have something interesting, the, uh, especially the corn. We're waiting to go uh, take a, a long position in corn in a couple of weeks because there's a cycle low. Now, again, don't ask me why. I'm not a farmer. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely has a cycle low, and then it goes up for a while. So we're going to buy corn uh, when the cycle bottoms in a couple of weeks. And how about some of the other things, copper and some of the other things that are not precious metals, but uh, no, copper metal. continues in the bear market. So most, most commodities continue in a bear market. Also, crude oil will go back into a bear market. And that's, again, because of deflation? Yes. So there's just less demand for these things? Yes, correct. Yeah, so basically you're saying that places like China and India that have been growing pretty fast are going to slow down. Correct, correct. Because if the rest of the world slows down, they don't, they, they're not ready yet with the development of an internal market, so they still have to export it. And uh, that's going to be difficult in a bad economic environment. Yeah, so what, what would the impact of this be on uh, kind of politics? If, if you have a deflationary environment, what does that do to the you know, European Union and the American economy and kind of what is the impact of deflation on the kind of political situation? Well, I'm afraid that they're going to make a lot of mistakes because, like you say, the uh, the overall uh, idea is that gold is uh, in inflation situation because people remember that, 
and very few people remember or, or really learned what happens in deflation. And I'm afraid that the Fed and other central banks are going to make big mistakes in the deflationary period, which then will, will lead to hyperinflation because of the mistakes they're going to make. So, by printing a lot of money, or what mistakes will they be making? To tell you honestly, I don't think I'm good enough to give you that answer. <laughs> Not clever enough. Well, uh, let's, so, let's look so at the last time. Can make. Let, let's look at the last time we had major deflation, which was the, the, you know, 1929 and the Depression. At that time, yeah. you're saying that the Fed made the wrong move by, by tightening at that point. Well, Supposedly, they weren't. Confiscating gold. Look what happened in Greece now. For the first time in a century, they just confiscated money from people that had their money in an account. Now, what do you think would happen if the United States says, you know what, we'll take from everybody 20% uh, away uh, from his bank account? You know, anything can happen. Uh-huh. Did that happen in Greece or Cyprus? Oh, sorry, Cyprus, you're right. Yeah, but you think that's a, a precursor of what is to come? What? That is a precursor of other similar... Well, the point is, they crossed the line over there. It has been done, so once it has been done, it can be done again. Mm -hmm. So you have no idea what people can come up with, what governments can come up with. So how should investors protect themselves against that? That's a good question, because I don't know what the policy is going to be. I mean, you can buy gold, and then suddenly they can have an extra tax on gold. That's no idea. But you're saying owning physical gold is beyond the government's reach. Well, if they say that you have to declare it and then they put a special tax on it, then uh, it's not beyond their reach. Yeah. Well, I guess what they did in the 30s when they confiscated gold. Yeah. So what I said is there's so many wrong things they can do that I couldn't even come up with, uh, with an idea what can go wrong. <laughs> so let's make you um, king of the world, okay, and you have complete powers to make things better. I'm going to give you control of all the governments and all the central banks of the world. How would you handle the current situation to avoid a deflationary situation? Well, you can't. I will tell you, I have what I call a super cycle, uh, which is 250 years old, and the problems we have here are 250 years old, and uh, there's simply no solution. Uh, you try to inflate yourself out of the out of the uh, the debt and the system and keep it going, but in the end, there's no purchasing power anymore among the people. I always compare it. So, what does it help you? Well, if if you know there's a cycle and there's a summer and there's a winter, you can change it. The only thing you can do is you can buy a winter coat. Uh-huh. Instead, instead of listening to people say it's going to be okay, maybe you should buy that winter coat. And so your winter coat in this case is gold. Yeah, they're just excesses that have to be taken care of, and it's going to take a while. So what was the last cycle 250 years ago that was a deflationary? That was before America was a country, pretty much. Is that where there was a major deflationary low then? No, in the, in the, in the 19th century there was also deflation. There were also deflationary gold um, bull markets. Yeah. And most most of the... Last thousand years, the economy has been deflationary instead of inflationary. Mm-hmm. Deflation is the norm. Hmm. That's certainly not the impression that most people would have. No, but it depends if they open a book or not. Yes. <laughs> so, um, in deflation, uh, who are the winners and losers in deflation? I would say everybody is a loser. The, the only winners are the people who are sitting in cash. 
and can buy uh, from paintings to Stradivarius to whatever that people have to sell because they need money. Uh-huh. I mean, selling hard assets, picking up hard assets at cheap prices. Yeah, and you're the only one who has the cash. Oh, uh-huh. so right now people feel terrible with cash because they're earning nothing on it, and they're doing right. everything they can to to buy high yields somehow. You think that's a mistake? And, and it's a big problem because anybody that I speak to accepts that the ten-year bond in 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 two three years will be will be at least four percent. Yes. And uh, inflation will be at least I don't know a couple of percentages. So, so you're gonna for sure you're gonna be a big loser. So you're saying that what what's been happening in the bond market lately, with interest rates falling, with a ten year down to about two point four percent or so, is a sign of deflation to come. Uh, yeah, correct. We have we have if you want to you uh, if you subscribe for the free uh, free newsletter we have. Uh, 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 long-term interest rate going back 500 years with a perfect cycle of 60, 60 years, actually a cumulative cycle. And you can see for yourself how it develops. And in 500 years, it never missed it, so we just assume that it won't miss it this time also. So how low might long-term interest rates, which are now about 2.4%, go? <coughs> that's a, that's, I don't sit with my computer, so I can't get you, but I, that what I remember is that not much lower. Uh-huh. So, well, if, if we really have outright deflation, why wouldn't it go much lower than it is today? Well, because a lot of things are preemptive. I mean, a lot of big investors know more or less what's going on and uh, already took positions. Like uh, last year, the market uh, did a lot of upside, the stock market, based on, on, on values and based on uh, what uh, kind of profits they thought they were going to make. Now, the only thing we hope is that we have a price earnings at expense. So you shouldn't look at the news of today. If you know what the, the news of next year is, then you can invest. Mm-hmm. So it might be already be in a price. I see. What do you th- would be the effect of deflation on emerging markets particularly? Well, I think it's even worse because they all have to deal with commodities. And commodities is not then going to be our favorite uh, place to be. So they're going to be already now, you know, they like, look at Argentina, what's going on. Brazil doesn't do so well. Uh, a lot of those countries are not what they, what they used to be, mm-hmm. mostly based on a bad commodity market. And, and they've taken a lot of debt to grow as well. Right, right. So if, would you short these markets? Uh, once I cycle tops, yes. Uh-huh. But we haven't hit the top yet. Well, we could have hit the top, but it could be that it's going to hang around the top for another three months, and you don't want to get emotional and wait and wait and wait. So uh, we don't want to go short and then hang around for three months. We only want to short when a cycle top. So like I said, for the moment, we're looking for the middle of June for a cycle high in most markets. So cycle high in most markets and then a cycle low in gold is what you're saying. Correct. Very good. Well, this has really been fascinating. Uh, my guest this half hour has been Charles Nenner. He's the president of Charles Nenner uh, Research Center. His website is charlesnenner.com. And thanks so much for a very provocative idea, and we'll see how it all works out. I guess we've got history working for us, and you figured it out to make it easy for people. So I appreciate you being on the show very much, Charles. You're welcome. We'll talk again. Very good. Thanks again. And we'll be back after this with Sean Hyman, which will be our next guest. <laughs> 